Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Oh, gee. Make some noise. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to get a load of this. I'm going to be talking here with a world-class runner, a true champion. And at 65, he's still getting it done. The only problem is he has an ongoing battle with a world-class problem, booze and drugs. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. All right, as I said, folks, you don't want to miss this one. His name is Frank Shiro. Let me give you a little background before we start talking. Frankie is 65 years old. He's the head of the Lower East Side Track Club in Manhattan. Uh, He's a Masters champion runner, okay? Uh, He's won at 200 meters, 400 meters, 4 by 200 relay, 4 by 400 meters. 4x400 relay, sprint medley. He's owned at one time, I believe it's six world records. We'll let him tell you more about it. He's been a runner for more than 50 years. 5-0, not 15, 50 years. Not just a casual runner, but a competitive championship runner. Beginning way back at Chatham High School in Chatham, New Jersey. And... uh He's a long, been a long way from that. He joins me now, Frank Shiro. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Oh, it's my pleasure, Russ. All right, so listen, uh, full disclosure here, I got to know Frank by simply doing a story on him right. about 20 years ago. Exactly. Right? It was 20 years ago, and you had your track team. At that time, it was Sprint Force America. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tremendous runner, but also uh, through your entire career running, you've had to battle a tremendous problem with drugs and alcohol. Right. I want you to start with the people, to tell people where this started, and it was back in Chatham, New Jersey. Where do you think your problem started? I mean, everybody has a trigger. And, and folks, I have to clarify this because what makes this guy difficult sometimes, he refuses to make excuses. But everybody has a trigger point, and you know about trigger points. So tell me, where do you think it started? Uh, geez, I mean, where it started, I mean, I, I was always the kind of kid, you know, uh, if they told me to turn left, I turned right, uh, you know, don't play with matches, you know, I wanted to start a fire. I mean, I always had that kind of personality, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't know, like, you, you look at it more like where it started 
and I, I think I look at it more where I recognize that it's the recognition of the behavior, meaning it didn't matter why, but you know, when did I start addictive behavior, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. And if I look back, uh, you know, I, um, in high school, running was really important to me. Uh, track team was like the top priority I had. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was uh, in 10th uh, grade, I made like a deal with myself that, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I would only drink once a week on, on, uh, uh, during track season. And then in my junior year, I changed the deal. And then, you know, so I mean, so like at 15 years old, I was making deals about, uh, alcohol and drugs. So why is a whole different you know what I mean? I, I don't know if I'm answering the question. No, no, I, I, you are, and that's the, the thing about you is, and the, and the more you talk today, people are going to hear about you, and, and you are, I like to call you, well, I don't know if the ter- proper term is saying I like it, you're a walking contradiction, but 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 I, I mean, you 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 take such good care. You worry about organic food and what I eat and what I take in my system. Yet you would put that crap in your system. But we'll 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 get into that as it goes. But what I was alluding to, you had your 17 year old brother Nicholas, right, was killed in a, in a yeah yeah. And, I mean, and, and you were 12 yeah. years old. And I said to yeah. you when I heard this terrible story because he was your big brother, you loved right. him, you protected, and I, and I said to you. Well, Frank, could that have been a trigger point? And you would refuse to say, I don't like to make excuses. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that is the way I think, like, as far as making excuses. But if I be honest, like, and think back to that time in, you know, in my family, you know, my mother wearing black for 10 years. And I mean, these are Italian-American people. My grandfather came from the other side. Right. These are true-blood Italians. You know, death is, a, you know, I lived in a, a kind of like the house was like a dark place, uh, not purposely like you know but my brother's death had a severe impact on my family and and, and me too you know i mean i could admit it but uh i just don't uh, you know you know the reason why i i i started drugs and alcohol i, I don't think that was the reason there's there could be a whole environment of reasons well uh, but even though so so you have your problem and, and as you say you're making a deal with yourself oh during the track season i'm only going to drink yeah, a little exactly. bit i mean you were I guess what do they call it? A functioning addict or a fu- oh yeah, you got, yeah, 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 you're yeah, able to of, function. Right. But there's one thing about functioning at work. You, you when I say at work, like maybe if if you're a broadcaster or you're this or that. I mean, <laughs> you were a runner. You are a runner, and, and to be able to temper your running mm-hmm. with your addiction that that's, well, yeah, a, that's that, a hard yeah well <laughs> when, when i when i'm actively using i do not run i mean i cannot i mean uh there's no thought i running as you and you know me for 20 years now you know the uh the 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 way i see running the philosophy that you know i, I mean i'm into it you know what i mean historically uh, uh psycho and on all aspects but um if I if I'm using, I, I'm not running. So, but so so that brings me th- to this question. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have an addiction with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Would you say though that running for you is a good addiction that takes place or takes over for yeah. a bad addiction? See that that rust. That's like you know. That's like the. Uh, that's a new concept they started about 15 years ago about, you know, uh, I, I have an addiction to chocolate or I have an addiction to uh, uh, whatever, uh, ice cream or whatever. Well, the, uh, chocolate and ice cream is not going to put you in the state penitentiary or uh, federal penitentiary. Addiction, uh, to me, is characterized by severe consequences. 
not always severe, but you know, in different gradations of severe negative, con- uh, negative, negative consequences, consequences. Right. So people that have their chocolate addiction, to me, that that that's not. Um, I don't think like that. I mean, addiction to me is is, is a serious thing, and there's no, never anything fun about it. You know, you're living in a, in a state of suffering. It's not a fun place to be. It's not like getting a a chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I guess. You know, running, when you talk about it doesn't have a negative uh, consequence, you never robbed anything. Exactly. To, to, yeah, to, yeah, I never had to any. To support your, exactly. your running habit. And there's nobody more into running than me. I right. mean, I, I become, you know, I'm into it. I, I've, I've, I've uh, created two different teams, very successful teams. Uh, you know, I'm very much into it. But, uh, you know, I know where the boundaries lie. You know, if I pick up a drink or a drug, you know, I'm not going to run. You know, I don't care about running. That's that's the price I pay. Now, now uh, you go on to, you have a stellar career at Chatham High School. Yeah, 21 scholarships. 20, 21, okay, I, I said roughly 25. You had Ivy League schools, places like Princeton and Cornell were, were interested in you. They yeah. wanted you, and you come to the conclusion, I'm not going to college, I'm going to be a landscaper and get high. Yeah. I mean... Something had to be going bad wrong at that time. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, absolutely. I didn't, you know, um, like when my brother was killed, my my father was not the most... I don't know what the word is. Uh, he was kind of a distant guy. Right. And then when my brother passed away, my father just disappeared. So I didn't really have uh, a father telling me, you know, maybe the vo- value of a scholarship. Although I knew it. But, I mean, I didn't have that uh, specific direction that I think I could have used at that time in my life. And I knew running was, I loved it, but it was a very hard thing to do. Like, it's not a casual thing to, to run on a competitive level. So I didn't want to pay that price. So to me, college... You know, I tell you the truth, now that I've been around for so long, uh, and I've learned... Which is amazing in itself when you think about your story. Well, I mean, just in regard to AA, I I went to my first AA meeting in 1978, and I always say this at a meeting, you know, I've been around the program a long time and seen a a lot of different things, you know, and how people... you know, come and go and make excuses and whatnot. And I've just learned to, you know, to, to you know, to uh, try to keep the focus on myself, you know. Well, you, you said you went to your first AA meeting in 1978. Yeah. So you, you lead me into, let's go back mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you didn't go to college. You, you were a landscaper. Yeah. Got heavy, heavily into using drugs, heavily into using heroin. Right. We know what that leads to. Mm-hmm. You start robbing houses right. to support your habit. Mm-hmm. You end up in jail uh, for four months in 77. Right. You come out and you don't, you OD a couple of times. You're given last rights, not once, but twice. Yeah. But then you decided somebody got through to you. What was that? That okay? I got to go into rehab now. (laughs) I would say the judicial system. (laughs) If you want to know the truth, you know. I mean, uh, you know, I was a young guy, you know, and I was going to do what I was going to do. It was crazy, it was. But you know, when there was uh, significant consequences, you know, instead of going to Trenton State Prison or Rawway State Prison for ten to fifteen years, you know, uh, uh, rehab sounded like a great idea. It, It just so happened that you know, actually came alive in that particular rehab. You know, I, I was one of the fortunate ones that, well, that was able to utilize. And not, not only those, and this is this is what, what blows you away when people read your story or, or hear about it. 
rehab work for you. And and not only did that rehab stint and uh, work for you, it got you back into doing some of your running. Yeah, well, when I I started to get clean, it was like I was being born again. You know, I was was in this residential program in Patterson, New Jersey, uh, Straight and Narrow Incorporated, which is still in existence, a wonderful uh, organization, helps a lot of people, um, helped me. But anyway, you know, I was in this rehab and I started to read again. And I said, well, if I'm going to be clean, you know, that's where I started to get some of my philosophies as far as diet and nutrition. And, you know, if I want to be if I'm going to be drug free, I like to maximize my life, be as, as feel as good as I can feel. So, so you you clean yourself up. Not only do you clean yourself up, and, and uh, you go on. You, you, I think it was roughly ten years. You had a ten yeah, years, ten, yeah, ten ten years right. of sobriety, yeah. but you become a drug counselor. Oh yeah, not just a drug counselor, but a very good drug drug counselor. Is it kind of a case, if you will, when you when I say a very good drug counselor, because I, I spoke to some people about you, which we'll get into in a mm-hmm. second, but I could see you being a good drug counselor simply because, you know, there's a saying in the street, for lack of a better term, you can't bullshit a bullshit artist. Well, basically, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I knew the ropes. I mean, and I, w- I just felt like I was given such a gift to get in sobriety. I mean, I really felt profoundly blessed, you know, that I, I was sober. I mean, I had not been, you know, since high school. So we're going like, you know, 10 years. And all of a sudden I was clean. I was doing push-ups. I was doing sit-ups. I was feeling like a human being again. I mean, I, I don't want to sound dramatic, but nothing, nobody suffers worse than an active addict or alcoholic. I mean, it's a, it's a state of suffering, you know. And when you're relieved from that suffering, it's like... <laughs> a good trauma, but you know, yeah, you know, I, I came alive again. I, I, I became awoke again. I've always been good with people. I've always been able to connect with people. I've never been a guy to care if a guy was black or red or purple. I don't care about sexuality. I treat people like human beings, and I, I, I got that from my parents. You know, I never heard any negative stuff. So that's a, a very big gift and a skill that I have, able to communicate with anybody that wants to communicate. Well, I, I think that that is why. When I say walk in contradiction, from what I know of you, you're a kind person. Uh, you communicate well with people. But sometimes I don't think, and tell me if mm-hmm. you disagree, I don't think sometimes you're kind to yourself. No, absolutely. I think, quite frankly, I think you're sometimes mean to yourself, and that's what leads to the problem. Well, I think I'm, you know, I, I have a tendency to be really rigid, you know, and I've worked at the, over the years. I mean, I think I'm a, like a incredibly <laughs> significantly better about that, you know, being rigid and realizing, you know, if I'm flexible, I'll be able to stand. You know, a tree that's too stiff is going to break in the wind, a tree that has flexibility. So I think I'm a lot more flexible, but I do have a tendency like anything that I do, especially if it's goal oriented, like my running, I am relentless, you know, I, I, but sobriety doesn't work in that same way, you know. No, it's it's, it's it's a whole different ball game. So that there, you need I need a lot of flexibility uh, in my athletic. Uh, I like my discipline. I, you know, I'm laser focused. That's what I call people. Say, yo, yo, yo. So let me let me ask you this: you you you're laser focused. You like your discipline in your running, right? But is it not enough? To prevent you from going back and having a you know, relapse, I have to look. I'm looking you in the eye, being 100 percent honest with you. You know, I, 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 I don't know if it's enough. You know, if, you know, I mean, uh, today, you know, I live my not to sound 
like a cliche, I live one day at a time. Today it's well, enough. Today, today have. I'm doing everything I can to, to keep the uh, uh, positive momentum uh, going. You know, uh, so uh, there are negative things that I run into, but I have, you know, I'm able to deal with them. Um, but you know, I really learned, like, you know, to to really embrace that day at a time. And you know, if I can get through today, or anybody that hears this, if they can get through today, you know, that's a good thing. It's a day down. I. I, I because I knew I was speaking with you, I spoke with Robert Budsock, who, who you know. Uh, he's the president and CEO of... Yeah, of, he used to of, work for uh, me. Uh, president and CEO he of... He met in, with Obama two years that's ago. Right, of Integrity <laughs> He House. worked for me. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, okay. Bobby, I hired him. In my, yeah. Okay, now he's the president and CEO of Integrity House. And Great for guy. folks, if you, you're not familiar with Integrity House, it's one of the better rehab facilities, I'd say, in the country. In the, that, yeah, it, absolutely. Okay, he, here's how he described Frank Shiro, who I'm talking to. Frank's a gifted person, a gifted athlete, with an amazing art of communication and developing rapport with other people. This is what enabled Frank to be a great counselor and a natural born leader. Hmm. Now, now that pretty well describes you. And again, I, I can almost call this, this whole period that we're going to be speaking mm -hmm. today. It, it's an hour of walking contradiction. Or I, maybe, yeah. maybe I should say running contradiction. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it's mind-boggling to me that somebody who's got this intestinal fortitude mm -hmm. to do this has relapses as often, you know, yeah, yeah, as you yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the tr it's the truth of who I am. I mean, I've had uh, one period ten years sobriety, another period uh, fifteen years sobriety. You know. Uh, I, 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 I've been in and out, but I mean, I, 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 well, the one thing I would say to you, Russ, as a friend, and I've said this to you before, is if you're ever uh, looking at addiction, you can't be logical. In the world of addiction, one and one does not make two. In the world of addiction, one and one could make 17, 13. It's not a logical uh, sequence of, of events or a sequence of thoughts or a sequence of action when you come to addiction. All right, as we're talking here now, uh, when was the last time you used? Oh, let me think. Uh, that would be um, uh, September. Uh, I would say September 5th of this past year. September. <laughs> You would say September, not September, but September fifth of this past year. So <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, no, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know what I know is when I stopped. I mean, you know, what I mean, that's the most, you know, like the day I I, I whatever st st started the process to recovery again. I definitely remember that day. Yeah. Now, now, folks, this is a guy who's now preparing to run at the Penn Relays again. He's, he's got three three Penn Relays first-place finishes on his wall. How many times have you run uh, the Milrose Games? Oh, uh, I, I, I've run about five, but we won it three times. You won it th I, I mean, again, walking contradiction. It's just... It's it's you know, it's amazing to me. I think you're really fine though, Russ. The more you talk to people, there's a lot of people in uh, dealing with addiction that... You know, a tremendous filmmaker that's the most artistic, greatest filmmaker, the the most perfect cello player, this woman who's impeccably and but if the addictive factor is in there, you know, you it's 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 you know, that that you can be those things and you can be fucked up at the same time. Would you say running is your life preserver? 
I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't look at it like that. Maybe I would let you say that, but um, to me, it's just something I love. I mean, I love the history, I, I, the history of the Olympics. It's just something I'm totally immersed in. It's, and plus, I take part in it, and I get to be actively involved, like at the Penn Relays. It's going to be 123 years old, oldest and largest track in the world. I'm going to be running on that track. It's just a way for me to be connected to life. Uh, so. I don't know if that answered the question. No, no, I I, I get it. It, I can't imagine, put it this way, but and this is the way I am, trust me, if all of a sudden I couldn't run, you know, doctors, you cannot run any longer, then I'm going to start rock climbing, or I'm going to start swimming. I'm going to do something. That's my personality factor. You know, I'll become a, a serious swimmer. I'll become a serious stamp collector. I will be doing something in a positive direction. You see, people who don't understand addiction. Right. And uh, I'm not certainly not making myself out to be an expert. No, you've, you know, I was thinking on the way over here. You've learned a lot. Well, well, you learn a lot from speaking to people and dealing with people. Right. And, and you're not the only person I know who's dealt with it. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I hopefully, unfortunately, I'm going to say because the longer you live, the more you're going to meet people who who deal with the problem, whether, yeah. whether they face up to oh, it or yeah. not. Right. But again, you're one of those who just refuses to make excuses. And I would laugh because if I, if I tell you folks, there's a guy, uh, Frank here. Uh, and for example, I'll never forget it. Daryl strawberry was supposed to be clean at the time. And you get, pick up the phone, you give me a call and I'm sitting, this is when I was working over at channel nine. I pick up the phone and you say to me, you see this? I just saw strawberry on TV. He's not clean. He can say he's clean. He's not clean. And you, you, you said, Russ, all I got to do is look in, in his eyes. And sure enough, two days later, he's going into rehab again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I've it's always not hard to see if you if you have an experienced eye. Right. Know, we, but but here's here's another thing that I've always felt. And see, I don't know how how it works with. Well, maybe it does because you said if you're not given a choice, the judicial system, you got no choice. Consequences. Yeah, your, your, your consequences. But see, with, for example, I deal have dealt with a lot of athletes over the years. Right, and right. Doc Gooden, good right, guy, Doc. Right, but right. I, I think Doc would be the first one to tell you. I remember when, when he was first having his problems with the Mets and they'd send him to Smithers. Or, or, or celebrities who would go to uh, the Betty Ford right, clinic. Right, right, yeah. Some people, okay, you got caught. Mm-hmm. So it's a PR move. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. A, a from the heart move. No. I'm not well, going yeah. to get clean. I'm going to get my image clean. Or they go for their wife or their husband yeah, yeah. or just, for their just kids. To, to appease even. everybody, to make everybody happy. So I'm doing it right. One thing that I've always learned from speaking to you and other people, if you're sincere, an addict can't get better until he really hits bottom. Well, yeah, and, but I mean, the bottom could be, you know, you're, you know, I know guys that are in state prison for 20 years. They they feel they didn't hit a bottom. A bottom could be, you know, you've got one leg missing. You know, the bottom is a funny thing, but it's just, it, there's got to be some, the main thing is something inside of you has to want something different. And what I was going to say, uh, like for about myself, and you said about the relapses and my history, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Eddie, Eddie Lyons, who's, who was the director of integrity before Bob. clinical Bobby. director, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, he was a clinical, great guy, brilliant guy. He worked in integrity for, I've known him for many years. Uh, he retired and he's enjoying his family down in North Carolina now. But, uh, and, and I, and I called him a couple months ago and, uh, 
you know, he asked me how I'm doing. You know, I'm not proud to tell the guy. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you know, I, I relapsed again. I got uh, uh, six weeks. I'm not proud to say that. You know, I, I don't. I want to tell him I'm a success, but I got to be honest. You know what I mean? And you know, uh, so I told him the truth. You know, and that's the kind of man he is. I have that relationship like I have with you. I could be honest with you, which is a gift. And he said, "I tell you one thing about you, Frank. You never give up." And it's funny, you know, those words resonated in my mind like because I was feeling bad about myself because I have had a pretty heavy road. And then I said, yeah, that's right, but I, didn't, I don't give up. You know, I get beaten down and I come back. And I think there's something to be said for trying, you know, and I think anybody can try. Anybody, you know, you, know, you never have to give up. There's always, there's always something, to, you know, you, you could do if you want to. That's what I believe. I had spoken to Eddie Lyons uh, once, and, and I remember how he described you. He described you pretty much the same way Robert Budsock did, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but he also said what sets you, sets you into your problem is you got to deal with your own demons. and, and, and yeah. Then it sends you to the bottom of the pit, and, and right. he and he told me at one point they were really worried about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right. I was, yeah, absolutely. I remember calling them, you know, because I was out and I was on the street and being crazy, and I, but I, I, I knew enough, to, you know. I wanted to keep some kind of contact, you know what I mean? And and so over the time, over the period of time, I was able to get myself back in action. All right. So again, here's Frank Shiro continuing. I mean, we're talking about a world class Masters champion runner, folks. As I said, in, in the two hundred, the four hundred, the two by, uh, the two, the four by two hundred relay, four by four hundred sprint medley. Uh, at one time, he's held six uh, world records. I think I still hold the record for uh, New York State uh, for men fifty-five to fifty-nine in the two hundred and the four hundred. Uh, the two hundred is uh, twenty-five seconds flat, and the four hundred was uh, fifty-six seconds flat. Those are still standing records. Uh, uh, 56 seconds flat. Yeah. Okay. What's the What's the world record for the 400? 43. For, for like yeah. an Olympic uh, 40, runner. Well, 43 40. is the top. Of so the so you're telling me at 59, you're 13 seconds off the world record. Well, yeah, something like that. Jeez. All right. The one thing, though, that I found out by almost accident w- with you uh, and me talking was 9-11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I looked at you and I said, Frank, come on now. This had to have an effect because you were clean, yeah. as you said, for like yeah. 15 years and or in the middle of a 15-year right. yeah, yeah, sobriety. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, well... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, it's... You the- were down there because you worked near that. You were right there. You, you know, that, that area is your area. <laughs> Tell us. I... I, I- I, I call myself a real first responder, and by that I mean I didn't get paid for it or nothing. I was one of the first people there, uh, so to me that's that's a first responder. I mean uh, the way I did it. But uh, how did you yeah. do it? Uh, yeah, I mean uh, you know, um, and this you know you never heard about this because I don't talk about this. Stuff. I don't believe in. I mean I just feel you do the right thing, and you know you don't have to tell the world that you did the right thing. I mean you do it because you think it's yeah, right. Yeah, but, but it's still your story. Yeah, and, well, and, okay. W- so w- anyway, you know, uh, I was down on, at my studio where I was uh, working uh, down on Ludlow Street, Lower East Side, and we saw the buildings fall. You know, literally, you know, which was just uh, not even believable. You know, like it really, I can think back to that moment, just not believing. But anyway, I, I just got this thought at that exact moment. 
I'm originally from New Jersey. You know, I came from a New Jersey suburb, you know. And so if, if the neighbor's house was on fire next to you, you know, you'd go out and you'd help the guy. You know, that would be normal. So I said, yeah, I'm in New York now. But, I mean, you know, the, 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 it's the same dynamic. People are going to need help. So uh, so uh, I remember I, I, I had my uh, pair of running shoes on. I tightened them. like for, You always tighten your shoes before you go to a race. Like it's like a formality. And I tightened them before I headed down there. But... Um, uh, I had to go through two police uh, checkpoints. Right. But luckily, I, I, I'm acquainted with some of the detectives in the at the time in the Ninth Precinct. So probably for some of the wrong reasons. No, for good not. reasons. Okay, the good. funny thing is, it was for you know I know them as a, as you know they had been to my house. Really nice right. guys. Um, so um, you know I told the officer you know I'm, you know I'm a friend of Detective Antonacci, Detective Mind. He said go go go. So then I went to the next checkpoint with you know again, and I said the same thing. You know I said you guys need me. I'm here to help you. You know I'm not here to steal watches. I'm here to help you. You know this guy looks terrified himself, like I was. You know we're all scared as hell. But uh, so he so he let me go. And then uh, when I got there, I was given an a, a assignment as an escort. They put like a, a they wrote on a little. Uh, index card escort and taped it to my chest and my job was going to be to bring people from the building like escort them away you know because they'd be they'd be disorientated but but you know there was nothing nobody to bring away you know what i mean there was no nobody to to help uh, uh. so my i ended up just carrying uh cases of water and and, and uh, giving them to the firemen and to the police so, but you're down and other guys. you're down there you're seeing all this carnage and oh, this tragedy unbelievable i mean Frank, that would send a lot of people over the top who, who never had a problem before. I, I mean, yeah, but I I, mean, I'm not looking to cut your slack. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Listen, I'm not a shrink, yeah. but I'll tell you what. If you spoke to a shrink, yeah. I'm thinking a shrink would need to see a shrink after speaking to you. <laughs> oh, that, now that may be true. That may be an accurate assessment, Russ. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. To me, it was doing the right thing. You know, I mean, I have a strong like thing about myself of what I think is the right thing, and and that I, you know, I mean, it's easy to complain about the government, about this, the church, whatever. But I, I try to put it back onto me, and I felt it was the right thing to go down there and offer my help, which I was a capable, able-bodied man, very strong man. Uh, very a lot of endurance i could help them and i helped them and, and you know that was it okay so you, you get through that and uh you continue with your sobriety yeah i was at that time i think i was sober uh nine years approximately so, so and i had an, and then i had another six more years of sobriety right and uh, i picked up again you, you, now okay you picked up again again i'm gonna ask you mm -hmm. for the upteenth time yeah, you're what, gonna, what made you pick so you're up gonna, again? You're going to look for logic. Again. Well, yeah. No, I know, I know, and I don't mean that. No, uh, 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 being like a wise guy, you're going to logical thing is you go progress through life. A logical thing is you build your life right. in a positive direction. With addiction, has a tendency to cut our legs off and, and and just incapacitate our minds, and we we end up doing things that we know are wrong. I knew were wrong, but you know, I was I was stuck at that point. Once I crossed that border. Uh, between using and not using, you know, uh, all, basically all bets are off. It, it just, that one really got me because he, here you are, you clean for 15 years. You, I mean, you, you talk to me about, mm -hmm. well, Russ, you got to eat organic this, you got to eat healthy this, you got to do this and that. And, and then 
you fall off the wagon yeah. and you're sh- shooting crap and yeah, shit exactly. into your veins. No, if I look at it, you know, honestly, seriously, if I look at this logically, I would go crazy because it doesn't, you know, you know, come on, enough is enough, I say to myself. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to be dishonest either. And I, I have done these things and this has been my life. And, you know, it's not pretty, you know, it's not like a pretty picture uh, and I'm not proud of it, you know, but that's the truth. At least I could be honest about it. You know, that that's one thing I can be about it. All right, so now let's go. I think the exact date doesn't matter. Two fourteen, two fifteen. If it's not hitting bottom, it's close to hitting bottom. A drug deal goes wrong. Yeah, and I, a, right, a fight, I, I, right. I got a six-month sentence. Ensues, right. You get a six-month sentence. Rikers Island. Rikers Island. I think you were there for four months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're in Rikers Island. Not only are you running in Rikers Island, but and this, like I say to myself, how the hell can this be? And I remember when, when I looked at you and you got out, I, w- I was like dumbfounded. <laughs> You're in there with killers and rapists and gangbangers, and they're offering you drugs for free. You're in prison. You got to be at the lowest ebb in your life. And at that juncture, there you have the willpower—the willpower to say no. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, you know. I, Explain I mean, that to I, me <laughs> again. I don't see it as willpower. I know this is—I don't want to play semantics. I don't see it as willpower. I, I just see it as like a moment of grace that I got, where my head was clear. You know, and I'm in the dorm with the other 50 guys, and the guy offers me a bag of dope, which he did, put it on my bed, and I'm—you know—I had enough grace in my brain to think, yeah, but I'm going to like this, and I'm going to want more, and I'm going to want more, and I'm going to want more, and this is kind of what got me here. So I didn't take that bag of dope you know what i mean i didn't do it and then the next day i built up i, I built on i built the next day on that day and it was it's all of a sudden i had a week of not uh, do, you know what i mean i felt strong about myself i felt i did the right thing which is important to me right. doing the right thing um i've never been a, a kind of guy that does it drugs or alcohol because it's available like you know if somebody had 300 Cases of alcohol doesn't. I don't care if they have three thousand. You know, I, 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 my use is more deliberate, uh, and and consequently, my not using is is deliberate as well. So you get out, you're clean, you you, you start running again. Yeah. You're active. You go again to what was it two years ago? Right after, shortly after that, you go to the. Um, uh, pen relays. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, and, and you yeah. win, you win there. Yeah. So that was a that was a that was a you know that was a wonderful you know that was a gift, you know, gift to run and I yeah. mean you know I got to run pen again. We won it. So explain to me everything's and I remember talking to you. You look clean. Look into your eyes. You look sharp. And you just said the date. I didn't know the date. You just said the date. September fifth. Right. Was the last time you used. What caused you to use? At that point, some- at that, yeah. At that point, I mean, again, I don't want to say cause. I just don't like that word. But because I just, I feel like it was a choice I made rather than something that caused me to do it. But you know, my my uh, personal life was kind of upside down. I was dealing with a lot of personal issues, you know, with regard to my marriage and stuff. And I, you know, I just, I just like, you know, I'm, I'm not getting younger. I'm getting older, so it's easier for me to say, you know hey, fuck this, or, you know, I had enough, or I can't deal with anymore, and, and fall into that, 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 that excuse pattern, which I try not to do. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you, you're candid. Listen, this this addiction, while running has been wonderful for you, your other addiction, not just you, you're personally within yourself. Yeah. It's cost you some marriages. and It's cost, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's anybody out there that is active or was active, they, we suffer, man. You know, people, you know, uh, you know, I, I got a guy calling me right now on the phone on the way over here. He used to be a, a counselor. You know, guy was he has all sorts of degrees, MSW. He's got this. He's got that. And, uh, you know, he started up again, you know, and now he's just you can hear it in his voice. He sounds crazier and crazier, you know, but, you know, I try I try I'll offer him direction. That's all I can do. It, it almost sounds. And I'm, I'm not trying to make light of anything. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds frank to me if you will that it's almost a schizophrenic yeah that's a good way that's a existence absolutely absolutely true yeah yeah you see me the way you see me now and i tell you where i ran last or what record i broke or whatever you're a world champion you see me you traveled the world right or you see me down on the line on delancey street you know i mean and believe me and me, I'm aware of that when I'm doing that. That's the harsh part. Like, you know, in a relapse, you know, I have the memories of the good things. I know better now. I can't say like I was a kid. I didn't know better. You know, I know better. And then when you end up back into that situation, you just it, it's just totally debilitating. It's, 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 it's easy to stay there, to give up. You know, it's like when you walk home tonight and you see a homeless guy, it's easy to just turn your head and, you know, he must have done it to himself. Or, well, you don't, you, we just don't know the story. I've always been, I, I've always been one of those people I think w- w- was tough. Yeah. Uh, w- no, uh, on addiction. Right. And, and then I got to learn a little bit about yeah. it. And, and yeah. it, it's too easy for people to make excuses. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, poor boy or poor oh, girl. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't buy all of that. Right. Absolutely. But speaking to you and knowing you, and it's not just you, I, I've got to know a few other people uh-huh. uh, and I've seen the battle and I, oh, I, it's a I, battle, I've, seen, I've seen the battle up close and Man, shit, it's a horrible existence, well, is it Well, you know, not? that's why, you know, like some of the current political uh, 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 oh, situation, oh, you know, with, you got this clown, you know, that, that he wants to give the death penalty to, 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 the, to the dealers. Well, you know, that's the only thing that he said so far that I agree with. They should give the death penalty to the, to the top of the line dealers, the lawyers, the judges, the politicians that set this whole thing up and make billions of dollars with. Instead, they're going to go to the ghetto and get some kid out of the ghetto and they're going to, and, and they want to kill him. Like, that's the problem. The kid in the ghetto is not the guy that it's bringing, importing tons of cocaine and heroin to this country to this day. Look for the guys in the suits, the really nice suits that look really good and sound really good. And, and it, this pisses me off because what they've done is they set us all up. And now with this uh, thing with the opioid epidemic, whatever, you know, now other people are finding out, hey, my son was a good kid. This was a good, my wife was a good woman. And they're shot, you know, because they're victims of this thing. And this is no accident, this opioid epidemic. People are making billions off it. Whenever you want to know the answer look where the money goes and you know retrospectively now that i'm an old man and i think of this stuff i see how you know i was steered into certain directions and again not making excuses but you know we have to wake up man that's what i feel because you know trying to blame somebody else blaming the poor person incarcerating the poor people killing the poor people is not going to solve this problem you know 
I'm sorry to get so. No, no, but see, the, the, listen to yourself. That to me is is Frank Shiro to a T. I mean, you, well, that's you, what you, I you, believe. But we, no, but, but my point being, you're talking quietly, civil, and <laughs> you, 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 you're you're not making an excuse through this whole conversation for yourself. But as soon as we touched on this. Boy, yeah, because I've seen you know, you yeah, got your well, I've seen, up. I've seen, it does get my eye up because I've seen too many people be victims of this shit. You know, I've seen dear friends of mine and not even people I didn't know, and you know, I mean, it's 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 a horrible affliction, but it didn't happen just out of the blue. You know, a certain uh, environment created all this. You know, you you can't take ten kilos of cocaine and from Mexico to the United States without some kind of you know, it, it's just not. Uh, I just get angry, as you said, because I think like uh, a lot of people are misled and a lot of American people now, you know, they're going to, oh, yeah, we'll do this and do that. And they're not ever dealing with the issue, the root issue, you know, the problem of the issue. And, uh, you know, I mean, as much as as much as, uh, uh, you know, my feelings, uh, you know, basically all my political feelings, I, I advocate, I think drugs should be legal, you know, just like they did in Portugal 25 years ago. Portuguese had the worst heroin problem in the world ever per capita, and they totally legalized everything, and now everything's okay because it it it, it settled down, you know. It wasn't it wasn't um, uh, demonized. Well, I, 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 don't, I mean, it's not that simple. Yeah, I, I, but, I, I'm going to balk uh, on that. Okay. I, I don't want to see heroin becoming well, legal. Well, you know what, my my daughter is a uh, she's a director of the emergency room at Flagstaff General Hospital, a beautiful woman, and she says, Dad, you know. I've worked here for 17 years now, and I have never seen a case of marijuana problem or, or, or anything like that. I've seen 97% alcohol problems. And so this is, the, this is the drug. It's a drug that we embraced and we glorify. It used to be on TV. It's on, you know, it surrounds us. And so we kill our own kids, you know, because we want to let Joe Kennedy and his crew. Now it's different people, of course. Right. But we kill our own, and then we, we, you know, we want a social worker to figure it out. Well, I, you, you know, maybe you missed your calling. Maybe you should have become a a so, social worker. Uh, I think I, I think I am actually. I, I, yeah, well, I, I think you I are work as well. with people. I work with anybody. I'm equal opportunity helper. You, you once made a uh, get ready, getting ready to wrap this up with with Frank Shaw. But but before we wrap things up, um, well, let me get into this. You once made a comment to me that recovery. Uh, is a path. Yes. It's not a destination. Yes. See that you you got that. That and I, I'm really happy that you understood that because that tells you. Like some people think, oh, my husband is clean. Now let's have a party for him. It's two years or five years. It doesn't doesn't matter. That shit doesn't matter. It's a path. It's a. It's like my athletics. Like there's no one race that I. You know, I want to just keep on the path of, of, of athletics, you know, continue as I get older to be involved in athletics. And recovery unfolds before us. You know, things happen. People come. People go. People die. People relapse. But uh, the path is the gift to me. So so you're on. You continue yeah, to I'm, be I'm, at 65 I'm, years yeah, old. I'm, you're still on the path to recovery. Exactly. And I don't want to get there. I want to just be on the path. Well, part of being on the path for you and what you do, you, you're the head of the Lower East Side Track Club. Oh, uh, correct. And yeah, yeah. You, um, 
you train people. Oh I yeah, mean, but, yeah. But is it you know just because I, I want to give the people here your, your um, website number. You don't just train runners. Am I correct? Oh yeah, thanks, Russ. Yeah, I, I train I train runners and walkers. I mean, I train basically anybody that wants to change. You know, I had one client about she's about 285 pounds you know whatever i I, i've worked with a couple olympic caliber athletes uh people that want to change something as far as in regard to running or walking i i guarantee that you know uh we can make you faster stronger and you can enjoy it more i mean that's not an advertisement that's just you know it, it should be an enjoyable process exercise and you know it should be something that you can have in your life built into your life for a life your story so is I work a, with all people right all ages all you know well, well people who are listening if you'd like to be trained by Frank uh, Shiro uh, go to his website at it's the Lower East Side Track Club but the website is www did I get that yeah three W's www.lestrackclub.com no caps just www.lestrackclub.com lestrackclub.com uh, and feel free also if anybody just has any questions they want to ask me I mean if they need uh, if I can whatever if they have a question feel free it's, there's no obligation I'm, you know I, I just give me a, a, a email well uh, 65 years old well, you keep saying it over and over. Well, uh, no, no, this guy, uh, this guy is killing me over. Well, no, because no. I'm what I'm trying to to, to let people know. This is an ongoing battle. It's a battle that you've been fighting for fifty years, and, exactly. and, and you exactly. can you continue to fight the battle. Yeah, and uh, yeah. all I can say to you, Frank Shiro, continue the battle, and it's battling it one day at a time. Yeah, thank you, Russ. Thank you so much. It was uh, you know it's always a pleasure to see you. All right, pleasure to see you, buddy. All right, I'm gonna assume if you got any heart and soul. I mean. Listening to Frank Shiro had to have an effect on you. Uh, I, I've known him. Uh, again, it started with me simply doing a story about running. And, uh, I mean, this, this is an... He's battled drug and alcohol addiction for 50 years. And, and I got to learn up close from knowing him and, and uh, just how devastating this battle can be. And far, 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 far too many times... It becomes a losing battle, but he battles. And but the reason I say walking contradiction, I'm talking about a world class champions masters runner. I mean, he, he's preparing to run in the pen relays again coming up, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he's going to win. But that's what the battle of alcohol and drug addiction can do. And you know, I wanted to have somebody else on today uh, in a phone call. I probably. It's probably just just as well because it allowed me to go extensively with, you know, Frank Shiro. But I wanted to have on George Shavalo. For those of you who may not know, you're a little younger, George Shavalo was a heavyweight fighter, former Canadian heavyweight champ. Um, who did George Shavalo fight? Well, he went 12 rounds with... Uh, Muhammad Ali losing a 12-round decision. He went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali, losing a 15-round decision. He fought the likes of Joe Frazier. He fought the likes of George Foreman. He fought the likes of Ernie Terrell. He fought everybody. He had, I believe it was 93 fights. Um, 
I got it someplace down there. He had, excuse me, he had 90, 93 fights. He won 73. He, he fought Frazier, Bonavena, uh, Floyd Patterson. Tough guy. And, and all those fights never once knocked off his feet. Tough guy. But I'll tell you what knocked him off his feet. I was working up in Toronto. The year was 1985. Uh, his, his youngest son, Jesse, just started using heroin. He, he, uh, George had four, four boys and one girl, okay? Him and his wife, Lynn, had four boys and one girl. The youngest son, Jesse, started using heroin. It took him about a year, and um, I'm over. At, well, it's when I was working for City TV in Toronto. It was my first, really my second year in the business. And um, Jesse came home. Well, Jesse was home. Took a twenty-two caliber rifle, put it in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. And when I heard what happened, I called George up and I got him. And George picks up the phone and he's weeping on the phone. And Russ, I just heard Jesse gurgling. I mean, he's dead. That's what heroin did to George Travalo's young son there. Okay, but unbeknownst to, um, unbeknownst to George, Jesse, before he died, introduced two of his other sons, to heroin. Okay? So after that, uh, let's see. Let's fast forward a little bit. Both sons, uh, I think it was George, Georgie Lee and Steve, both sons heavy became heavy heroin users. Okay? Heavy heroin users. committing violent robberies, so much so that George Travallo had to put both sons, it was tough love. He had to have him, he had, he had the authorities come after him because as a responsible person, he, could, he couldn't just worry about his sons. He had to worry about the people that they were going to hurt. So they spent time in prison. Okay, now in prison, George tries to kill himself, slits his throat, slits his wrists, Wanted to be with his brother in heaven. He ends up getting released. He's found dead in a flop house with a syringe in his arm. Okay? That's two sons. What happens after that? When his wife finds out, four days later. This is all heroin, folks. This is junk. This is shit. Four days later. George Travallo comes home and finds his wife, Lynn, in bed on her back with the Bible in one hand and clutching the urn of Jesse in the other. She took all the drugs that she found that the boys had hidden in the house and killed herself. So now George has lost two sons to heroin and a wife from a broken heart. Okay? So that leaves now there's another son Stephen and uh, Stephen had to go to prison in prison he decided I'm going to try and straighten myself out so he gets his GED general high school equivalently diploma and through correspondence is looking for his BA get this in Russian literature he became interested in 
Dostoevsky and, and Tolstoy, and he was doing well. He gets out. He had six months to go before, uh, six months to getting his degree. He was found slumped over a desk in his apartment, dead with a syringe in his arm. This is why I am passionate about what heroin and drugs can do. Because when I speak to Frank Shiro, and I know this guy, George Travallo, up close, we're talking about three sons dead from heroin and a wife dead from a broken heart. Talk about ripping a family apart. That's what this vile, insidious disease can do. And I don't make excuses for people, but these people I know, and, and believe me, somebody might say, you're listening to, to this story. Russ is telling a story about George Shavalo, former fighter. I mean, he had a, they had to be awful parents. No, they were not. I know that for a fact. But you know what? Sometimes just bad shit happens to good people. Sometimes just bad crap happens to good people. And that's what happened to George. And what I said, I wanted to get George on. He just turned 80 years old, and I was speaking to one of his sons just last night. As it happens with a lot of fighters or people that have gotten older, he's suffering from dementia, and his short-term memory's bad. And I didn't want to have him on because I didn't want to embarrass him. But I, I think when you hear a Frank Shiro story and you hear a George Chavallo story, I mean, something's got to be done with this stuff. I, I mean, you know, you can't be excuses. They gotta be, you, we got to fight this disease. Got to be fought. And, and too many people suffer a losing battle. I, I mean, not everybody's made it. The insides of, well, like, like I call Frank Shiro, who you heard me talking to, he's a freak. I mean that in a positive way. To, to be able to do what he does to use and fall off the wagon and to have sobriety and, and, and continue to, to, to win races and be a champion runner, it's mind-boggling to me. But that is, that's the deal. That's life in the street, and uh, that's getting it done. And when I say get a load of this, I hope you got a whole lot of load of this today because that's one hell of a story from Frank Shiro, and I just thought I'd fill you in with George Travallo. But that's a wrap on our latest podcast of Get a Load of This. I thank you all for listening. We're going to keep it coming week in and week out. Sometimes it's going to be me with a guest. Sometimes it's just going to be me talking about the issues at hand. But but I, I thought this was a very important issue to dis- to discuss and Frank Shiro is certainly a unique character. I want to thank, as always, my fine producer, Mike Goscarelli, uh, program director for 77 WABC, Craig Schwab, and, uh, of course, the OG Podcast Network. Uh, it's been great. I am really enjoying doing this. One thing about podcasts and radio, it allows you just to talk. You know, when I'm doing TV, if I could have five minutes to do a story, that's like a lifetime. So, again, thank you, everybody, for being part of this Get a Load of This podcast. Until next time, as I always said on the air, it is Russ Salzberg saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean, Every time. Because messes happen. Because... 
Even the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.